0: The Tudor History and Travel Show is a podcast that brings Tudor history to life by exploring Tudor places and artefacts in the flesh – You will be travelling through time with Sarah Morris, the Tudor travel guide, uncovering the stories behind some of the most amazing Tudor locations and objects in the UK. Because when you visit a Tudor building, it is only time and not space which separates you from the past. And now over to your host, Sarah Morris.
1: Hello my Tudor history loving friends, it's Sarah the Tudor travel guide and I'm back for a very special extra show of the Tudor history and travel show because we have an exciting update to bring your way. If you remember, at the end of last year, there was some news from Collyweston. Now, Collyweston, of course, was the site of Margaret Beaufort's grand Tudor palace. It was visited by royalties such as Henry VII, Henry VIII, Catherine Howard and Elizabeth I. And in its time, Collyweston was a massive manor house, which was, of course, aggrandised by Margaret Beaufort, and it was her centre of power in the Midlands. Yet, despite that, unbelievably, within about 150 years of the zenith of this particular manor house, it fell into decay and complete ruin, and none of Collyweston Palace stands above the ground today. But you will remember, if you have been following me and the Tudor History and Travel Show almost since its inception, I have been continuing a dialogue with the Collywestern Historical and Preservation Society, who are a fantastic band of amateur historians and archaeologists based up in the village of Collywestern, who have been determined to identify the precise location of this lost house. Pre-Covid, I went along to Collyweston Weston for the very first time to see the first dig undertaken by the Society. And there is an episode associated with that visit. And this is probably a good time to say that any of the previous podcast episodes in relation to Collie Western Palace will be included as links in the show notes page and the show notes page, which includes quite an extensive history of Collie Western Palace, including some of the updates that I'm covering here, will be included as a link in the description associated with this podcast. So if you want to catch up on the story so far, make sure you check that out before you Listen to this podcast. Having said that, let's get back to our story. COVID, of course, slowed things down, but once all that was over and it was back to business as usual, the society set about their quest to continue to locate the palace. And if you caught up with my podcast episode from last November, you will know that there had been an exciting breakthrough. Ground penetrating radar and LIDAR surveys had shown a number of significant buildings which pointed towards the exact position of some of the key buildings that we know are associated with Collie Western Palace. Of course, these surveys are not conclusive and there were still so many questions that remained unanswered. So this year, 2025, is all about doing some archaeological digs on site to try and marry up what was seen on the surveys with actual archaeological evidence. Could the society finally begin to pinpoint the exact location and orientation of some of those key significant palace buildings? Well, that is the question that was hanging on everybody's lips as this year got underway. And to that end, just a couple of weeks ago, I headed back up north to Colliweston because the first of those digs were underway in an area to the west of the High Street. I wanted to know exactly what had been found. Had the palace been uncovered? Did we have any definitive evidence that this was where Margaret Beaufort's palace once existed? And what exactly would the society find? exciting times, my friends. And I am in this podcast bringing you an exclusive update to the Tudorsphere of exactly what was uncovered on the dig. And so with that... Let's go straight over on location to Collie where first of all, I met up with an old friend of the show, Chris Close, president of the Collie Historical and Preservation Society. However, Chris's voice is not the only one you will hear on this podcast episode. I had a chance to catch up with a number of members of the team, including the lead archaeologist who is helping out unofficially with the project. And in fact, you will also hear the voice of an other old friend of the show, Peter Little, who you may recall joined me at Lawn Abbey to talk about Thomas Cromwell's grand manorial house there. Okay, well, I think it's ready to go time traveling, my friends. So buckle up because we are going on an adventure. What will we find? So welcome back, dear listeners. I
2: have returned for Ooh, third, third time, I think, to the lovely Northamptonshire village of Collie Weston. And we are blessed by the most glorious spring weather today. The sun has come out, the mist has parted across the Welland Valley, the spring flowers are all around us, and I am here with Chris Close from the Collie Western Historical and Preservation Society. Once more, Chris, thank you for inviting us back.
3: Well, welcome back again to our lovely Collie Weston. You've picked the weather perfectly again, Sarah. (laughs) So um, yes, what was a bit of a frosty start has now cleared. The White Lady of Collie Weston, which is the mist over the valley, has now dispersed. And um, we've now got a beautiful spring day.
2: Ah, that's fantastic. Now, can you just explain, first of all, just where we're literally standing right at the moment, and why is it significant?
3: Sure. So um, when we started the uh, the project on the palace, obviously we had to pick up from a lot of locals anything that we'd got in terms of information. And we're stood right now in a garden which is locally referred to as the palace gardens. Um, of course, you don't actually know why they were referred to as the palace gardens, and um, so yeah, this this was um, one of our major starting points really to try and find the palace.
2: Yeah, and maybe for those people who are joining us for the first time or perhaps need a bit of a refresh about what's been going on here at Collie Weston, can you just give us a brief overview of the project to find the lost Tudor Palace of Collie Weston? When did it start? What have you been doing? And then we can get to why am I back?
3: Absolutely, so look, um, the The brief summary really is that we started this project um, typically about eight years ago. Um, It was a project that the local historical society wanted to find out more about. So we started this project in earnest, um, very little money in the bank, we actually started with £500. and. We've, uh, we've gathered multiple layers of information over the last eight years, ranging from local maps. We've um, interviewed all local homeowners on the suspected palace site um, to see what they found. Um, we've had all of these finds checked by um, uh, different experts over the years, and we've added that into what I'd only describe really as a sort of multi-layer approach to the site, um, encompassing things like lidar, which is um, a free open-source uh, survey which um, which anybody can get. We've also done paid-for ground-penetrating radar. We've done archaeology, and all of these bits have come together to lead us to the palace site as we see it today.
2: So when I was here, which was back in November, you. You had your um, ground-penetrating radar survey, which Mm. was lighting up some different areas, which were areas of interest. And this year, 2024, is all about trying to do the archaeology, isn't it? And actually seeing what you can find and putting all this information together.
3: It is, yeah. So, look, um, I think one of the things as amateurs is that we will take a bit of technology like LIDAR or ground-penetrating radar and... This is really the key difference between the amateurs and the trained experts. you know we can look at something which looks to be conclusively palace and we can fall down on it and you know we can come up with various different suppositions and plans just based on a single lidar or a single bit of ground penetrating radar so so really what we 're doing at the moment is we 're doing a, a process of archaeology as, as most people know it, or ground truth as as other people refer to it as. Right,
2: okay. So what is your, can you summarize, what's your hope for this year's investigations? And um, maybe then tell me a little bit about what's happening right now on site.
3: Yeah, sure. So um, with the ground penetrating radar, it's giving us you know, quite a clear series of targets to be going at. And what we really want to do is to test uh, how accurate the features are in the ground-penetrating radar compared to what there is in real life. Um, You know, yesterday was a really good example. Um, We were looking at some very high resistance areas. Um, And by lunchtime yesterday, we'd got to a point where we were all very frustrated because we've got lots of piles of coarse rubble stone, which were glowing red on the ground-penetrating radar. But we were... Um, told to keep faith by Jen, who's been our uh, uh, um, chief archaeologist. And we got through those layers, and now we've revealed parts of the palace, which... Again, us as amateurs would probably have stopped a long time before.
2: Yeah, right. Okay, so that's right. So you've got a little team here led by an archaeologist from the University of Leicester. Yes, what, so yeah. Jen
3: Browning, and um, previously we've had uh, Gary Coates, um, again, you know, who's, who's um, been our chief archaeologist.
2: Right, so. okay. And what are you doing? Over this weekend, what are you doing?
3: Uh, we've got an area which is due to be resurfaced by the, um, the homeowners. They've been given permission. So we've had, a, um, we've had to put together... A dig at very short notice, mm-hmm. because if we didn 't dig this now, we would have probably lost the opportunity um, certainly for the foreseeable future yeah. so it's not ideal to be digging at the end of February, but as it happens, we've picked a probably the best weekend in February.
2: Yeah, absolutely. The weather gods were definitely on your side. Wasn't looking this way a week ago, a week or so ago, was it? Chris? No, it wasn't even.
3: <laughs> in fact, to be fair, three days ago I was talking to the homeowner. It was raining cats and dogs here, and he said, Are you sure you want to do it? <laughs> yeah. And it was at that point we said, look. You clearly don't know how determined we are. So, I,
2: I think yeah. this is a good omen. I think Lady Margaret must be looking down on you Absolutely. here. There you go. So um, what we're going to do in a moment is maybe just take a little walk down to the dig site and explore some of the trenches and what you found and maybe have a chat to a few of the other people who Absolutely. are here. Yeah. Okay, shall we go? Let's go. Let's go. Right. Thank you. Generally speaking, what's the level of interest in the village for this project?
3: I think the thing is with history is it comes to people at different stages of their life. That's true. And we don't try to force it on people. Mm. You know, if people are interested and they want to ask questions, we're here for them.
2: Mm. I hope, dear listeners, you can enjoy the sounds of the spring birds as we make our way down uh, one of the streets in Collie West and down to the dig site, which is... It's just coming up here. Can you describe again, you know, where this dig site is in relation to the plan that you have from last uh, year?
3: Sure. So yeah, we're in um, we're in an area which we're digging, which is west of the High Street. Um, so uh, it, it, it's an area which overlooks the uh, the pretty Welland Valley. Um, at the moment, we're in flood in the valley, but um, it's still pretty all the same.
2: Yeah, it is absolutely. And you've opened up what three trenches here oh, for the weekend? or oh, you've we've done four up. trenches yes. here. So um, maybe we could just go over and you could just point out some of the the places that you've been digging and, and what you've been finding and maybe introduce me to a couple of the crew along the way.
3: Yes, 100%. So basically uh, what we've got right here in um, trench number one, the reason why we, we dug this is because this was an area of the village pond previously. Mm. And um, what we were hoping for was to find Maybe a few bits been dropped over many hundreds of years. Um, so, so um, yeah, we've literally got a finds expert coming this afternoon to have a look. Ah, uh, yes.
2: So, so you haven't been through your finds yet. No, so haven't. maybe after this we can, we can chat. And Absolutely. I can put a little bit of an update, dear listeners, in the um, show notes page, which is growing indeed for the Palace of Collie West. And I shall make sure I update that after the the weekend has finished. Um, So do look out for that. There'll be a link in the description. And now we've come over to the second trench, which looks very impressive to me, to be honest. What what do you think we've got here? Well,
3: I mean, uh, we're still going through interpretation of this at the moment, but we've quite clearly got a sub-base of uh, flagstones, which look like an in-situ floor. Um, We've also come across a wall, Um, So, again, we're just going through the levels at the minute, and um, later this afternoon we'll have a clearer picture as to what we're really looking at here. You're
2: still fathoming it it out at the moment. What are these yellow things here?
3: So these are just markers. um, What do they mark? Jen will be the best person to speak to.
2: Okay, well, I will. (laughs) (laughs) Curiosity's got the better of me. Yes. (laughs) So moving over, so we're coming over to... (laughs) Trench three, and again, this looks particularly interesting here. Can you describe what we can see? And once again, dear listeners, there are pictures of the trenches that we're talking about in the show notes. So if you want to get a visual as we talk, then please, again, head over to the show notes. What do we have in front of us, do we think?
3: So again, we're still going to be referring to the experts on this. So what we've uncovered here, what appears to be either some sort of foundation stones. Now, the reason why we dug this trench was because again, ground penetrating radar was leading us to quite a big area of resistance above this this particular area. We've got a few straight lines going on, but nothing really to to write home about. Um, So what what you can see here is we've got through roughly 20 to 30 centimetres of uh, of, of what is really quite coarse rubble stone mm. um, that's, that's just presented to the right here. Mm. Um, as amateurs, this was really one of the trenches that we were referring to yesterday. Um, so we started it just after lunchtime. Roughly about an hour later, we hadn't really found anything, becoming quite despondent. And then this is where the difference between professional archaeologists kick in because they were able to identify that the soil material and the composition was changing and we should keep going. And mm-hmm. as we did, we revealed Brilliant. These, these stones. Here. I, I
2: mean, it's, it looks substantial and really interesting. So I can't wait to hear what conclusions you eventually come to about this one.
3: Yes, absolutely. And what's particularly odd about this is that, you know, we've got what appear to be some sort of capping stones over the top here. Mm. We've also got underneath though, what appears to be a void. The soil is really quite loose. So, questions that need answering are, why is that soil loose? Um, And Mm. and where has this wall come from and gone? Because it's not that clear on the ground penetrating radar. Yeah,
2: I mean, and that is a definite wall there. There's no getting away from that, is there? No, that's right, yeah, it's Um, it's in the line. Yeah, excellent. And then one final trench. So just moving back through the crowds. There's quite a few people here today. It's great to see the... um, people so enthusiastic. So this is quite a long trench. Yeah. Have you found anything?
3: Um, well, we've, we've obviously found the base level material. Um, but again, what we're testing for here is to see whether when we extend this, this base level of stone, it should naturally come to an end if the ground penetrating radar is correct
4: right so
3: that's what we're testing right
2: okay okay
3: what what we've actually got is is an area just here which which comes up to roughly about here on the the survey and heads the other side of that that wall
2: right okay so there's there's a lot to do isn't there still and learn here a lot if you
3: think this is just one small component of the bigger palace site a
2: huge palace site So, yes, I think you were saying earlier you're trying to do a time team, really, probably on a fraction of the budget. <laughs>
3: Don't worry, we'll have another 3D construction done by this afternoon.
2: <laughs> I admire your gusto, I must say. <laughs> I'm going to have a bit of a chat to some of the people on site. Thank you. Trench too to chat to Steve you've been in the trench haven't you doing absolutely
0: yes um, from the very start so
2: are you part of the society I take it here
0: in um, I've been part of the dig so we've been um, digging various sites around Collie Western right. On and off for the last five years.
2: And you've been at all of them?
0: Absolutely, yes. Excellent. So I miss it. Okay,
2: <laughs> so, so this is trench two. To me, this looks one of the most interesting trenches here. So, did you dig it from the beginning?
0: Yes. Um, didn't seem very interesting initially. Uh-huh. Uh, there was lots of rubble uh, just under the surface. Um, so, quite hard to get through. Um, didn't look particularly promising at first, but... Um, once we got t- through all of that rubble, uh, we came to what you can see here, which appears to be um, the floor of a building.
2: Right. Yeah, and we don't know what building yet, so I'm not even going to. I'm not going to twist around mm-hmm. arm
0: to. Th- di- there are some thoughts about what it might be okay, because go for it. Um, I was trying to find a there's a very old drawing of um, a plan of the palace, mm-hmm. and this um, aligns with one of the outbuildings which is quite near to um, a spring. Right. So it's thought that the building could potentially be um, a dairy or a wash house.
2: Okay, yeah.
0: So something associated with the palace itself, but not necessarily part of the palace building.
2: Do you have an archaeology background yourself?
0: I don't, no. I've um, only been got into archaeology because of... uh, my wife, um, she's had a long-standing interest, and when we moved to our village, oh, it must be what 12 years ago, uh, there was a community um, archaeological dig, um, which was uh, undertaken by Karenza Lewis, off oh, time yes. team. Right, everybody will
2: know her yes, name. Yes, yes.
0: So we ended up digging test pits in various uh, neighbours we'd never met before. Uh-huh. So uh, yeah, and. Um, I found a Roman plumb bob oh, in, right. in one of the test pits, okay. And, and you were hooked.
2: hooked. Absolutely,
0: from that point
2: on. So so I have a technical question. Sure. Can you tell from flagstones like that, kind of the age? Is there a sense, or, or are flagstones a flagstones? You know, your, your Roman flagstones are the same as your medieval flagstones, are the same as your Victorian flagstones, or do they speak to you because of their size and shape of any particular period?
0: Not the stones themselves, so it's usually the finds that actually date um, the the building, the context. Um, Unfortunately, the the, the things that we've been finding so far have obviously been above this level, Mm. so um, probably the oldest finds we've had have been some nice pieces of glass, and I think Chris was saying earlier, we've got um, an expert coming along later on this afternoon to to hopefully date some of that. Uh, but most of the finds have been um, a lot more modern than, yeah. than what we were expecting. Yeah, yeah. So,
2: so still a little bit inconclusive, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, it would be
0: nice to obviously lift some of the, the stones. Mm-hmm. So we, we think there's a void Underneath that central stone there,
2: oh, I see.
0: And uh, I don't know if you can see just under this part of the wall here. There's a a femur oh, pr- yes. protruding out. Oh, I okay. can. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I
2: didn't see that at all. But there's the head of a femur. Yeah, yeah. absolutely.
0: So uh, we're not sure which animal it, it might be. Right. Uh, possibly a pig. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, but obviously that's been deposited uh, at some point on the floor. Ah. Uh, and then the the stone wall, the rubble has sort of mm. fallen onto that. Mm, so yes, it would be nice to maybe possibly lift some of the uh, the Do flagstones you, to see what. Uh, what's will beneath. you be doing
2: any more with this trench?
0: We'll we'll have to wait and see what uh, okay. what the archaeologist uh, okay, decides. Right, so you're on at pause the mo- for the at moment. moment. We're just recording and and writing up basically so
2: well I interrupted you while you were doing just that so I should probably (laughs) let you get back to it but thank you very much Steve for your time nice to see you keep going keep up the good work that's all I can say okay thank you to grab jen jen you're the the site archaeologist aren't you here today
4: well i'm 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 here for this phase of the work anyway i'm actually pretty new to the project so this is the first time i've I've worked with the group okay Um, my day job is as a commercial archaeologist at the University of Leicester. Right, okay. So this is just a bit of a weekend jaunt for me really.
2: (laughs) Brilliant. So you're just here sort of coordinating. I noticed people coming to you and asking you questions about different things and you've helped them navigate some of the challenges (laughs) of opening up
4: trenches. Yes. Maybe you could just comment on on what's been found so far. Okay, so um, a geophysical survey was was done of this site which didn't show anything, any really conclusive targets for us to go for, but there were a few sort of um, hints. So we've basically gone for the areas that appeared to show rubble um, with the the idea that where you have some rubble, you might well have a structure underneath it. So that's why we've um, positioned the trenches where we have. And um, in two of the trenches, we have indeed just found rubble, but the other two trenches have actually proved to be quite fruitful. So, It's certainly true that we've got a building in in one of them. Now, we don't know how old this building is yet, but we've got part of a wall and we've got a floor. So, yeah, that's a a building. It's a building. That's what you need, isn't it? (laughs) It is, really.
2: Yeah. But there's no way of dating that. I was just talking to Steve in that trench. There's Mm. no way of, apart from if you get a find.
4: Yeah. That's it's right. very difficult to actually date the structure. It is, is it? yeah, particularly with stone walls. Um, you know, in an area like this where stone is everywhere, then, you know, your, your building could be. Well, it could be pretty much any age, really. However, we do think we can line it up with something that's on the first edition OS map. I mean, that's yet to be proved, so we'll need to sort of start to overlay our survey, overlay the maps. And then, um, if we're lucky, we'll be able to see that on the, on the OS, and that will uh, at least give us some idea that, you know, of, of the date that we're dealing with. Right, OK. And then the other trench that you thought oh, was quite Oh, the other trench. All? Yeah. Is this your would... favourite one? <laughs> I wouldn't say that because in some ways it's quite challenging, but it's it's certainly interesting because um, what we've got there is a well we we appear to have the base of a wall, but rather than being a sort of um, fairly pedestrian type wall, it's actually made of some nice moulded stone. So that suggests that we we're probably dealing with something of the the palace era, right? Um, We've only got a very small trench so we can't quite see exactly what this wall is doing but we do seem to have a, a straight edge of it on one side which I would presume to be the the inside and then we've got a sort of chamfered edge on the stone on the other side presumably the outside but um, the inside part is certainly filled with lots of um, rubble stone so basically it's a void that has been filled in. I see. Because we've only got this small trench, we've got a direction so we know which way the wall is running. But um, that's pretty much all we know at the moment. Yeah. Do you think, I don't know whether you've been into the garden next door. Well, I haven't yet. Actually, I haven't had time. Well, <laughs> let me explain what there is there. There's a set of stairs that goes <laughs> that's, down. That's exciting. That
2: are blocked at the yeah. bottom. And Chris was talking about whether there might be a, ah, you know, a, well. a cellar or something in there. So I wonder if those two are linked up. Well, but I guess will, you'll find you find out. Yeah, need have to get myself around. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So. Um, what questions, therefore, where does, it, where does this dig need to go next? Obviously, there's a long way to go. I can see there's a, a still a huge number of unanswered yes. questions. This is a massive site. What's the next kind of logical step for, some, for a project like this?
4: I think there always needs to be a period of kind of... Um, once you've been evidence-gathering, you kind of need to regroup and put all that together again, have a look, see if it's changed your, your previous ideas. So... Um, To be honest, at the moment, I'm not thinking much further than that. And obviously, it's not my project either. I'm just here to kind of help out. So I will... um you know work with the group we'll see what results we've got and then perhaps discuss the the next steps and where they'd like to to go with it really but I think there's plenty more scope for digging if we can get permission permission to do so yeah okay so it's another watch this space yes I'm
2: afraid so (laughs) (laughs) well maybe we'll meet again at a different dig but thank you so much for taking the time
4: to chat to us Jen oh no you're welcome thank you
2: away from the main site, I've kindly been invited into somebody's back garden. Chris, hello, would you introduce yourself to us?
5: Yeah, I'm Chris Young and I live here in Collie Weston.
2: Ah, oh, lovely. Now you have this amazing house that looks out over the Welland Valley, but specifically it looks out over part of the Old Palace. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah,
5: I mean, for me, I'm no historian, and but obviously very supportive of what goes on with all the dig and everything and underco- uncovering what's going on. But for me, it's just sort of being lucky enough to be living in living history. So when i look out over the landscape and i can see all the walls or the different eras of the walls but also the fish ponds um, and looking down at the valley and i went to a talk once where somebody was explaining that actually in the tudor days they'd go down the valley and they'd be, they'd be hunting and fishing down there and i feel incredibly lucky 500 years later to be living or 600 years later to be living. As yeah, part of that
2: I can imagine i mean i'm I'm totally envious. you are living on the site of one of the greatest Tudor palaces of England i mean wow how I mean literally how does that make you feel well,
5: it makes you feel very small <laughs> very insignificant and uh very much just a little tiny
2: blip mm. on history yeah absolutely uh, it's uh, but they are digging, the folks are digging sort of in an area that is is part of your land, right? So
5: we, yeah, it's with our neighbours, so um, it's out in our drive, um, so we don't really come across it very much and we've done some work ourselves to the house over the years and have obviously had archaeologists digging with us when we would be doing the, um, the dig and putting the foundations in and they've never really found very much, but I think now that the team have really understood the sort of logistics and the the location of where the palace was and maybe the outbuildings and outer walls yes. then it's really sort of focused it up on I'd say on our neighbor's drive and our neighboring bit of land um, so it's lovely and it's lovely you know seeing what they're doing this weekend and over the last few months and years being able to uncover these layers of history but it's always quite sad for me that they then have to kind of put everything back on top of it and walk away we'll Walk away, yeah, but, but, at least, but at least they know
2: at least we're gonna know yeah. so what do you think about what do you know about the palace here and not
5: know, a huge amount i mean i've been to the talks and as i say i'm i'm a landscape designer and p- book publisher rather than a historian so i don't know very much about the actual detail of it but i know obviously i've been to the talks and i support yes. what the crew do um but yeah I, I just love the idea that actually that our drive and our kids are using the drive that me, people might have been going back and forth to the palace five hundred, six hundred 600 years ago yeah it's pretty amazing
2: pretty amazing um, so, I mean.
5: and also what i love when i went to one of the talks they were talking about this sort of the jewel concept and the the bright color of one of the um, either the um, chapel there or one of the the windows and um, to me that sort of I know the further you're back in history, maybe it goes a bit more black and white um, in your sort of visual approach to it. But I love the fact that that was really colourful and really bright and starry and, and, and they were using colours in a really um, beautiful way, Margaret Beaufort was. So I think there's, through so that sort of unpiecing of the history really comes alive to me.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, you had, well, I don't know, what, three, four, five monarchs visit here. That's <laughs> it's Going crazy, by, the the front, by uh, your front uh, door, uh, basically. Yeah.
5: And here we are just living our ordinary <laughs> lives, you know, um, you know, Earning, earning a crust and just carrying on and doing a bit, I'm doing. you've called me mid-gardening um, <laughs> and I'm trying to sort of look after it all and tame this crazy yeah. it, 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 Well, what I do love here and what I respect probably the most out of, out of it all is that this is a landscape where you really feel the wind and the rain and the sun, uh-huh. we have friends in the village on the opposite side of the valley and we can phone them up to tell them when their washing is going to get <laughs> wet because we can see the rain <laughs> and coming, coming in and, and for somebody who is probably the lightest sleeper in Britain our bedroom here, um, overlooks. Valley and um, the the weather you get, the climate you get, and that's us here in insulated houses with Mm. central heating and you know, um, great buildings. What was it like all those hundreds of years ago when the wind was raging and the snow was coming in, and you know, trying to get down the valley was you know impossible? Um, To me, it just shows sort of the ingenuity of them and the strength of them that they could do all that.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting spot, isn't it? But you get really sweeping views, and once again, dear listeners, there will be some pictures of this in the show notes if you want to get an idea about what Chris and I are talking about here and the the sweeping views down the Welland Valley, please do check out those show notes. Well, I just want to thank you for just taking a moment just to tell us what it's like to literally be living on history. It's awesome, thank you so much. No, it's great,
5: nice to meet you both, thank you. (laughs)
1: end of today's story? Hmm well maybe not. Having been on site for a couple of hours we were getting ready to head off home when an exciting discovery came out from one of the trenches. So of course we hurried on over to get the scoop. Here's what happened next.
2: So I found Peter Little, Peter. <laughs> We've spoken before at Lawn Abbey. We have yes. indeed. Well, this is a lovely surprise, and I found you holding something. Can you describe what you found and where, or where it's been found?
6: Well, it's a chunk of ceramic material, so pottery. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's not a pot. I'm fairly certain that it is a ridge tile. So it's come off the top, yeah, the, the, the ridge of the roof. Of a, a, a late, later medieval building, you know. Um. Without checking with the you know, the people who really know about the pottery around here, right? Uh, I'm guessing that this is probably around and about 14th century, give wow. or take a hundred yes. years, either way, probably.
2: Okay. And it's and it's got colour on it.
6: It's green glazed, yeah, um, which is is typical of sort of the medieval pottery yeah. and and tiles, and and this is a little crest along the top, which you can see. I love the way you can actually just press your thumb into the end of it and feel where somebody else's. Has That's been there wonderful. hundreds of years before. That's wonderful. Uh, so, um, so that is quite exciting. I mean, that, that suggests a slate roof, um, yeah, oh, you know, because yeah. yeah, you don't have ridge tiles on a thatched roof, no. which suggests a very substantial building. I so, see. you know, you can get a lot out of a little bit of tile like that.
4: You can, can't you? Yeah. And Jen is here as well. And Jen, this came out of this trench, right? Yeah. That's right. So, this is the trench which has got um, quite a nice, almost monumental type of stonework work in it so basically the the wall that we're looking at in the the bottom of this trench the stones are shaped so they're sort of chamfered on one side they're straight on the other side and they you know, the quality of those stones fits in really nicely with the the tile that um Peter's yeah. just shown you so you you know you would expect to find these two things in in conjunction T- together really. yeah perfect that's exactly what you're looking for isn't that the holy grail oh, yes, of archaeology yes
2: yes perfect. brilliant yeah. excellent I'm Now I'm really excited. (laughs) Okay, thanks for that. We lose you um, what's the plans for the rest of the year in terms of the future digs
3: yeah so we've got more digging and um, we've got uh, planned we've got roughly another uh, four or five areas of this particular site to get dug throughout the summer mm-hmm. and um, obviously by the end of the summer we should have a, a clearer picture a clearer understanding of what's going on with this site.
2: Oh, I hope so. I'm looking forward to it. So maybe either a revisit or we should definitely connect and update our dear listeners about what's been going on at Collie Western over 2024. 100%. Excellent.
1: See you there. Wow. I was so delighted that we were still on site when that roof tile surfaced from one of the trenches. It really is the holy grail of archaeology to be able to have a find that dates what you're actually seeing in the trench. And this is the first conclusive bit of evidence that where the team were digging was exactly on part of Margaret Beaufort's original Tudor Manor House. Well, as you can hear, this is the first of a series of digs this year. So hopefully, fingers crossed, more evidence will be uncovered and rest assured, my friends, that I have agreed with Chris that I'll stay in close contact with the Collie Western Historical and Preservation Society to find out just what they unearth, literally. So be assured, any information that arises will be coming your way. Okay, well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please stay tuned, make sure you like the show, and if you have the time, please rate it and write a review. It really does help spread the word. In the meantime, that's all from me for this particular extra episode of the Tudor History and Travel Show. I will be back shortly, of course, with our next episode, which will be coming your way from St. David's Cathedral in Pembrokeshire in Wales. Of course, perfectly timed to coincide with St. David's Day in March. All right, my friends, wherever you are in the world, I'm sending you all good wishes. I hope you have a wonderful month ahead and I'll see you on the Tudor Road again soon. for tuning in to today's episode of the tudor history and travel show if you've loved the show please take a moment to subscribe like and rate this podcast so that we can spread the tudor love until next time my friends all that remains for me to say is happy time traveling